chorus we sang. It made me think about that old chorus because I actually remembered when it, when it had just come out. I was in college. I think it has to be written by the Gaithers or earlier for it to be an old chorus. Just throwing that out there for whoever would say that. I, maybe I'm just on edge. I haven't slept well this week. I've been having a lot of sleepless nights, consumed with worry over the town of Hawkins, Indiana. Do we have any stranger things, people in here? Yep. <clears throat> so about a month ago, Jenny and I, we were looking at what we were spending uh, on our streaming services, and we realized that we just weren't getting the full value of Netflix, and so we let that go. But then we discovered Stranger Things and realized that we had to finish the whole thing in less than a month in order to really get our money's worth out of it because we weren't going to resubscribe. That seemed foolish, so why do that when we could just stay up, you know, for a week, you know? And the episodes just kept getting longer. Like, it went from 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half to two to two and a half hours. And, like, holy smokes, just so much drama, just... Oh, whew. anyways, all right, you know where I'm, you know where I've been there. Anybody else, you have one of those moments where it's just like, yeah, just one more, right? You know, it just, it starts. Some of you are nodding your head. Others of you, I think a little less of you right now, but that's all right. <clears throat> We've been in those moments where we're just like, ah, oh, yeah, I just, I got, yeah, I got to work tomorrow, but sure, I mean, this episode it end by one. We'll turn it off well before then. We, we just watch the first part of it. We won't watch the whole thing. Oh, poor choices, poor choices. Here, here's the problem. As, as adults, we don't have like a bedtime. Like nobody comes to us and says, you know what? You should be asleep right now. I kind of needed that this week. Um, my wife and I, we don't apparently do that for each other. And so we had just pre-decided that whenever we were bored with it, we were going to turn it off. And that was the decision we made. Have you ever had these moments where you, you fail to pre-decide and so you make a bad choice? You know, you're just like, let's just see what's going to happen. You're like, I'm going to eat a little healthier today, but I'm, just, I'm not going to decide on anything. I'm just going to kind of wait until I get there to the all-you-can-eat buffet, and I'll pick something healthy there, like swirled ice cream and fried chicken. You know, I don't normally have this. You know, we didn't pre-decide, so just kind of like go with the flow in the moment. Whatever happens. You know, you say something that you regret later because you didn't pre-decide to just keep your mouth shut, um, you know, when your emotions got the better of you, and so you just sort of like let it rip. And then later you were like, I should have probably not done that. And a lot of it was you didn't sort of pre-decide ahead of time to control your mouth. Um, we get into trouble when we make decisions in the moment. I love Craig Grishel. He's a big uh, talker about how we need to pre-decide what we're going to do. Because when we're in a place where we don't have to make a decision and yet we've, we're able to pause and think about like, what, what if this happens or what if that's going to happen or, or, or how about this type of scenario? What kind of decision do I want to make then? It's a lot easier to pre-decide a better choice than to wait until we get to the moment of it. 
Nod your head if, if you're sort of tracking with me here. All right, that's good. Thank you for that sympathy nod of the head in the back. I appreciate it. Today in Daniel 3, we're going to look at uh, three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to see that these, these men, young men, have clearly predecided what's important to them. Uh, we're in the midst of our series on work. And the theme verse for all of this, I know we're in the book of Daniel, but our theme verse really comes from the book of Colossians. And it says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance is your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Let's, let's say this together as, as, a, as an honest prayer, as an affirmation, something that we want to adopt in our lives. So here we go. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So if you've been with us for the last two weeks, you know that we started off week one and we looked at how working hard and with excellence is a way that we can work as worship to the Lord. We're doing it for God. We're going to give him our best. Last week, we talked about how through prayer, we can really consecrate that time and make it an act of worship that we can dedicate any point in time and give that to God. Today, I want to look at this, this need we have in our lives to predecide, to predecide what's important to us. Now, in order to do this, I think we need to flush, you know, all of the things we've heard about this story. If you grew up in church, this is like on constant, like this is in the, you know, the top 20 uh, stories we love to tell kids. You know, VeggieTales has done an excellent job, uh, you know, putting this in a chocolate bunny factory. It's a great story. Um, but we're so familiar with this that I think we lose the power of the, uh, of the fiery furnace in the story. So just to get everybody caught up, we've got these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have essentially been taken from their land as captives. They're brought as sort of these, these exiles. They're put into an MBA program. They're now put into high levels of government uh, placement. Uh, they've not been put on, like, you know, hard labor. They've been given a, a, a place of prominence in this new government. And now King Nebuchadnezzar has got them. Uh, there and they have moved up to the C-suite in the kingdom and now they are you know ready to start this new and promising career that they've got but one day they get called to a big celebration uh, it says King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon so uh, we're not sure what the image is it could be of Nebuchadnezzar. He thinks a lot of himself. We do know that. It could be this image of gold that he had seen uh, in the vision before. It could be uh, just sort of like a, an obelisk. It could be of a false god. You know, it could be anything. We don't know. But he's made this image of gold. He set it up there in the province of Babylon. And he summons all the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he set up. Now, we're not sure where this crew is coming from. Uh, likely they're coming from Babylon. The plain of Dura, this location is not quite uh, known. Uh, archaeologists have found 
two possible locations. One's four miles outside of Babylon. Uh, another is 18 miles outside of Babylon. Uh, this is a time before cars, uh, trains, buses, helicopters, etc., etc. And so these guys are going to likely be walking. Uh, maybe they're riding an animal, but it's going to take some time to get there. Now, you can imagine what this conversation is like because you've got, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're going to the dedication of this image, and they've been around long enough to know what that means, that they're going to go and be asked to worship this thing, that they're going to go bow down to it. And you can imagine the conversation that's going on there. They're going, hey, Meshach, you going to bow down to this thing? Meshach's like, no, I, I don't think so. Shadrach, he chimes in. He's like, well, I don't, you know, I was thinking, like, what if I, like, drop my keys? Like, you know, like, what if we're there? And they're like, everybody bow down. And I'm like, I'll drop my keys. And I'm like, oh, I got my keys. And then we're back up. And like, and it's good. Like, and they won't even know. And Abednego is like, that's not a bad idea. But I think we're going to actually have to get down on the ground and like face down. And like, oh, what if we're all looking for my contact at this point in time? You know, I, and they're having this conversation. Like, how are we going to, like, how are we going to get through this? Like, well, like, what if we just like pray in advance like what if we pre-pray for forgiveness you know come on you've been there right lord dear lord what i'm about to do is really bad i shouldn't do it this is a bad choice but i need a little help here i'm gonna have to do it and you know abednego's like well you know that's not a bad idea but it feels kind of icky to do that because here's God. He's brought us out. He's given us these really great jobs. He's taken care of us. And now like, we're going to ignore him and worship this false God. I don't think I feel good about this. And Shadrach goes, yeah, I don't think I feel good about it either. I don't know how the conversation went, but I know how it ended. It ended this way, where they said, yeah, we can't do this. We can't bow down to this false God. We can't play the look for my contact game. We can't play the key game. We just, we just can't do it. We'll stand there. We'll be respectful. We won't make a scene. You know, but we just can't bow down. We can't worship. That's what this is. We can't indicate that we have aligned our lives towards this golden image. We just can't do it. This other God that we worship and know, he's brought us through everything, and we can't deny him because this, this boss of ours is asking us to do this. It's not consistent with who we are. And so they pre-decide that by the time they get to the province of Dura, they have decided that they are not going to worship this idol. It's a good thing because the stakes are raised. It says the herald loudly proclaims when they get their nations peoples of every language this is what you are commanded to do as soon as you hear the sound of the horn flute zither lyre harp pipe and all kinds of music you must fall down and worship the image of gold that king nebuchadnezzar has set up whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace now this is a new piece of information i suspect they probably didn't know that coming in and so now they hear this blazing furnace thing, and they're looking at each other like, what a blazing furnace? And they're like, I don't know. It's a blazing furnace. It sounds hot. Um, and they're like, I'm still not going to do it, me neither. And so they decide they're not. And so the music plays. And it says as soon as that happened, the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations, peoples of every language fall down, worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Except... For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three guys decide that they are not 
going to worship it. At this time, some astrologers, these are the other folks in the NBA program, come forward and denounce the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. There's some Jews whom you've sent over the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And here now, we enter into a point of crisis. These three men are now facing the music for the decisions they've made. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. This is how it is for people of faith, right? It's not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus, he's persecuted. Why? Because he talks about a different kind of kingdom. The apostle Paul, he's run out of every place he knows. Why? Because he's talking about a different kind of kingdom, a different set of values. Uh, a guy by the name of Martin Luther, maybe you've heard of him. He's uh, persecuted, chased all around. Uh, Tyndale, he's persecuted, chased all around, eventually dies. Why? Because he thinks that God's kingdom is here. It's among us. And we should all have access to it. People like Martin Luther King Jr. also are saying, man, God's kingdom's a little better, a little better and bigger than what we've got here, and I think we can do better. All these folks who are pursuing the highest values of what God has called us to face some sort of challenge of persecution. Why is that? It's because our values as people of God will always be challenged. They have always been challenged, they will always be challenged. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes in life we face competing values. It's true. I mean, sometimes, you know, you're facing two equally good choices. You know, do you want chocolate or do you want vanilla? There's not like a morally right decision here. It's chocolate. Um, unless swirls on the table, and then that's the right choice. Um, you know, we face values of things like justice and compassion. Both of these are, are good and true and right. Sometimes they sort of like, you know, war with each other a little bit. And we've got to figure out what is the best but so frequently in life, that's not the situation. There's a decision between something that is clearly good and something that is clearly not. Now, what is the problem for the people of God versus the world? Because I do think that there's a, a different set of values for, for God's people versus those who haven't accepted God or the reality of God in their life. I, I've spent some time thinking about this, and here's what I think the answer is. For folks that do not pursue God and his kingdom, the world is a closed system. It's a closed system, meaning that what you see is what you get. You've got 80-something years, if that, to pursue and to get everything that you can. And life, and, and it's all a zero-sum game. If I get it, then that means you can't have it. And if you've got it, then that means I can't have it. And, and we both can't be winners. And we've got all this stuff here that we just sort of like, man, we're going to have to just fight, and we're going to have to work for it, and we're just going to have to get it. But the people of God have said, you know, listen, there, there's something else at work here. There's more than meets the eye. What you see is what you get, but there's actually more in store for us that we haven't seen or imagined yet. And you know what? When we pursue God and his kingdom, Jesus tells us, and our life keeps showing, that all of these other things get added to us along the way. Um, James talks about this. He says, you desire but do not have, so you kill. He says, you covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. James is saying, listen, the world is in a closed system. God is a player in here. There's something else at work. He says, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives, so that, what you, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world chooses to become an enemy of God. 
You see, James is saying, listen, there is a, a set of values that is in conflict. The values of pursuing God and his kingdom and the world in its kingdom. This is where we find ourselves, friends. And this rubs the world the wrong way. This rubs Nebuchadnezzar the wrong way. This is why he gets mad and he hauls in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, hey, listen, what's the deal? Why aren't you going to bow down and worship this? This is the most important thing. We're all bowing down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, no, this isn't, this isn't a closed system. There's an open system here. God is at work. He is in this place. And he says, listen, I'm not going to allow you, king, to make those choices for me. You see, this is why we've got to pre-decide to value what's valuable. I know that seems a little redundant. But what I'm really saying here, and what I think the point is, is we've got to pre-decide to decide that what's valuable matters most to us. We've got to pre-decide on the value of things. Because so often when we're in a crisis or we're in a conflict or we're stressed or we're in a hurry, what happens? We just kind of go with a path that is most convenient. We go with a path of least resistance. And we don't spend time to think about what's most important, what matters most. I ran across a story, a fantastic story. About 10 years ago in Vancouver, uh, some thieves stole about $100,000 worth of rare and valuable coins. Now, um, the police questioned you know, these two prime suspects who had done it, and they said, no, we didn't do it. And so the police watched them for a little while, and they started noticing all the places that they went, and they started checking the change drawer of every place that they frequented. And they found at a movie theater uh, a bunch of quarters that they had used to spend to buy a movie ticket. And in the drawer of this thing, there were coins from like the early 1800s uh, that were worth thousands of dollars that they had spent at face value. A coin is worth, you know, $18,000, one of them, and they spent it for 25 cents. Wow. Movies have gone up, but not that much. But that's how they're spending it. They're spending it there. They're spending it at a pizza parlor. Quarters worth between $5 and $68 to collectors were being spent at Rocky's Pizza. Okay? Now listen, I think in our lives, often we have some things that we just really don't know the true value of. Or, or we don't appreciate it. I mean, can you imagine being the collector of those coins, like the owner, and knowing that they got stolen and then spent for, like, the 25 cents that was printed on it? That's, I mean, that's, like, insult to injury. Like, you'd have felt a little better had they stolen and then tried to fence it, you know, for, for half of its value. But listen, I mean, how many things has God given to us that we just don't realize the wealth and the health and, and the value of it? You know, I, I, as doing what I do, I spend a lot of times with folks, you know, in bad moments, in the hospital, at the funeral. And, and here's a, a common theme, is that you don't miss it till it's gone. You don't realize how much health matters to you until you aren't healthy enough to do the things that you want to do. You don't know how much a person's life matters until you lose that person. And we take them for granted, and we take our health for granted, and we take our time for granted, and we're essentially spending our time and our talents and our resources just like a quarter that's really worth thousands of dollars. And we're saying, nah, it's just, you know, it's just 15 minutes. Listen, friends, God has given you valuable, 
very valuable commodities of time, health, energy, creativity, and industry. We may not always have those. Suspend them wisely. Finally, we need to predecide to hold on to what's truly valuable. We need to know what everything's worth. We've got to predecide, hey, you know what matters most to me are these three things, these five things. These things matter most. And then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that my life reflects my values. I'm going to make sure that the way I spend my time today, the way that I spend my, my money today, the way that I spend my energy and my health and my resources, that it's going to reflect the valuable life that I have, the valuable life that I want, the things that matter most to me. Now, here's the, here's the deal. Here's what I'd love to tell you is that if you do this, your life will always be successful and things will always go great. That is not the case, okay? It's just not. Jesus promised that bad things were going to happen. Jesus said this. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Okay, Jesus is not here anywhere saying, hey, life's going to get easy if you live it my way. Why? Because we have a different set of values. We recognize some things as worth more than other people might recognize those as things as worth. And we've got to, to realize that, you know what, sometimes that's going to lead us into conflict. Shadrach and company, they discovered this. Uh, the king questions them, and here's how they say, and they answered him. He's like, you know, why, why aren't you bound down to my gold thing? And they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, do you, do you catch this here? They're saying we, we know our God could save us, and, and we know that he is able to save us, but we recognize that he might not save us. And even if he doesn't save us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Why? Because it does not matter to us the way that our God matters to us. What you're asking us to bow down and give our lives to is not worth, our lives are worth more than gold, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we're sorry, but we just can't do it. Friends, this is, this is how I know they've predecided this. This is how I know they had, they had come into the situation fully aware of the consequences. These guys knew where they were going. They knew what was going on. They had time. And this answer is so clear. It's clear to me that they have weighed the consequences, that they have weighed it all, and they said, you know what? We're going to hold on to what matters most. Now, here's one more thing I noticed in the statement. Here's one, is that our value system will always be noticed by the world, and that it's also always going to be noticed by God. So what are we going to orient our lives around? What are the things that we are going to say is most important to us? Worship team's going to come out. We're going to sing a song here in a second. And, and during this time, I, I challenge you to think about that, to ask yourself that question. God, what, what does matter to me? To maybe take some time and some stock of, of the things you valued in your life, and you go, man, what, how do I live my life? What is most important to me? Where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my resources? What am I giving my energy and my health and my strength to? Is it something that's going to last? You see, that's the thing. Like, because these guys that sold these quarters, right? That quarter is, in fact, worth 25 cents. But it's also worth $18,000. Which value is right? 
The answer is the one that lasts, the one that endures, the one that's going to hold up. That 25 cents, you know, at some point in time, they're probably going to stop making quarters. But to the collector, that is always going to be worth that value. And in fact, it's going to go up because there's going to be less because of jokers like that that steal and spend it at the pizza parlor. Friends, that's our lives. You know, we've got something stamped on there. And we, the world might say, man, it's only worth this or it's only worth that. But we know that the value that lasts is the value that is eternal. And that's the value God has stamped into each and every one of us. So when we get into the Monday through Friday, we need to remember, man, what matters most matters most all the time. And we've got to reorient our lives in that way. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have left us this powerful witness.